Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Auburn is not a place. It is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Toomer's Oak Trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. Warrior Auburn family, and welcome back to Auburn Roots. This is episode 36 of our journey of exploring and sharing the stories of your Auburn family members. On this episode, we're going to be talking to another member of the E2C Network Booster Club. If you want to find out more information about how you can become part of that, check out the links in the description for this or visit patreon.com slash E2C Network. But more importantly, he's got a pretty cool and unique story. If you've listened to our episodes on the network uh, and E2C Extra shows, you will have heard an episode about Auburn and the game of Minecraft. So you probably are familiar some of his voice. I'd like to welcome back onto the E2C Network, but for the very first time sharing his Auburn story, Mr. Chris Smith. Chris, welcome in War Eagle. Thank you, War Eagle. So I think what we want to do, obviously, we're going to talk about the Auburn and Minecraft thing. That's the biggest uh, thing that probably some people will connect with you that have been listeners and followers of our network before. But let's learn a little bit about you and maybe even a little bit about you outside of Auburn. Give us a little bit of a background on yourself. Where are you from? Where were you born? All that kind of stuff. You don't have to tell us how old you are if you don't want to, but just kind of give us some background. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm from Dothan. um, And... You know, my parents, uh, Jim and Nancy Smith, they've been dating since they were 13, whatever. You know, my uncle played baseball for briefly for Auburn. And my dad ran track under um, Hutzel and Rosen. Uh, the 440 high hurdles, actually. Why? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I was young, a family friend and a long time uh, booster, Dr. Dan Helms, took me to my first game. And uh, Section 11, you know, parked right in front of Allison Hall, throwing the football down in the ditch, you know, just that smell. I just fell in love with it instantly. I mean, dad graduated from here. We're always a fan, but then that first game day is just something else. Yeah. And so dad came here, you know, and my mom, you know, was told she was going to the university. So it's, uh, so she did, but unfortunately her mom passed her freshman year. My dad was like, okay, enough of this. So he went and what I call rescued her from, Alabama and brought her back and then uh that's it's from history I mean that's it I was uh it was real it's real funny one of one of the little things when dad moved me into my first apartment he uh he's like you got a glass I'm like sure 
He went to the faucet and he got him a little bit of water. Said, yep. Water still tastes like rocks. <laughs> like, what? It, it probably to this day still is the exact same taste. <laughs> yes. I did. So, you know, so I, I had a phobia about the, the tap water in Auburn the whole time I was here because of that. But anyway, that's, uh, uh, but I was, um, um, I was in the Navy for a couple of years on the USS America. Um, I worked in the public affairs office and uh, it ended up being the backup uh, sports anchor on the closed circuit, uh, you know, newscast we had out there. Um, and then while I was in the Navy, you know, like about the Minecraft and game development stuff, I was, um, I saw that movie, The Mind's Eye and Lawnmower Man, whatever, when I was on the ship. And so I got out of the Navy wanting to go into 3D animation. And so, we went and flew down to a Ringling School of Art and Design in Sarasota because, you know, I came back looking for schools and they were just now standing them up. And so it's kind of like, all right, you know, threw together a portfolio, got accepted to that just a startup program, but $12,500 uh, a semester. I was like, I'm not that sure what I'm. <laughs> so I got to go to Auburn. Oh, shucks, with all my friends, you know. It's going to be such a terrible experience. <laughs> Terrible, yeah. The worst part about it was the tap water, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it was true. And the heat. And the heat. Yeah. But that's pretty much the southeast, you know. I mean, you're you're from Dothan. You should know. Yeah. You know, Dothan's further south, too. It's it's kind of Dothan to me. And I'm I'm not a native Dothanite, if I don't know what you call people from Dothan. <laughs> that's good enough. Dothanite. Uh, but to me, that sounds like no man's land, where you're like, so close to the beach where you might get some of that sea breeze, but then you're down in like the, I guess you'd call it the Piedmont of the South where everything just settles. So I can imagine that in Dothan, the heat and the humidity is just the worst ever. It's a sauna. It is basically a, I mean, I moved from uh, Dothan to Orlando to go to grad school. And when I hopped out of the car in Orlando, I was like, wow, it's cool down here. Cause there was actually a breeze coming across the, you know, the, the peninsula of florida and it's there's nothing in dothan love dothan family's there friends are there but man is it hot let me ask you this about dothan we'll kind of tie auburn into this a little bit i, I think there are some towns that come close to the idea or the feeling that auburn gives I kind of equate Dothan to that a little bit because it's very it's a small town that has some big elements to it. Not when I say big, I don't mean Montgomery big, Birmingham big, Mobile, right. Huntsville, that stuff. But, you know, it, it can be a little bit more populous, especially, I don't know, certain times of the year or something like that. Do you find any correlation to that or is that just me kind of shooting into the wind and not really know what I'm talking about? Well, there's I mean, there's a lot of Auburn people down there. And so it's it does have a good I mean, you're not outnumbered you know listening to you uh and van talk you know his his silicaga upbringing is nothing like that i mean it's and you could say it was 50 50 i would I, mean, I would guess um at least now i mean maybe not when i was little but yeah i guarantee you it's uh i mean you're not you know isolated obby down there so it's I mean, you have that you know that feel it's close enough to Auburn, too, that I think a lot of us invade down there. Uh, it's kind of similar to West Georgia. Uh, you know, that's why they like to throw that around in our faces sometimes. So they call us West Georgia University, even though there is a West Georgia University. We won't start that tonight. No, uh, no. We just call them East Mississippi. We can just keep it going around in a circle and not making sense either way. Uh, but, yeah, I, I get that feeling that Dothan's one of those places, even if it is 50-50 now, because let's be honest, they've had their success. We're talking about Alabama. 
it's very easy for the Walmart fans to jump on and come up out of the woodwork because they now want to tie themselves to that. So I could understand if it's a little bit more down. But to me, Dothan, so close to Auburn, so maybe like easy to get to somewhat going through the back roads, kind of probably has still some of that Auburn feel to it in my in my mind at the very least. It's a good um, place. Um, I'm glad. It was a great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, me and you know, all my buddies that went to Auburn with us, it's, my dad called us uh, a pack of dogs because, you know, we, you know, you know, he told me when you go to school and you're all your friends, y'all gonna, y'all aren't gonna stay together. And then, well, guess I was wrong because I mean, we just we're all still close, and yeah. it's uh, it's great. So. Well, and you guys went through some very important, informative uh, times in your lives together. So you know, you're going to probably have those bonds that last a lifetime, even if they, you know, you get somewhat distant and apart. Whether that be actual physical distance, especially when I think you tie something like Auburn in with that, it kind of makes you feel a little bit more connected and helps you stay a little bit more connected. Like you could not see him for a couple of years and be just uh, go on the street and see them. All of a sudden it's like, you, it was just yesterday hanging out with them. Um, but I do want to talk about a couple of things that I'm kind of fascinated by one. You're a Jack of all trades, <laughs> got history with baseball and track and field at Auburn. You uh, spent time in the Navy sports anchor, Minecraft. I mean, literally you are just one of the more diverse guests that I've talked to uh, on Auburn read. So I don't even know where to begin. Let's, uh, I guess I should start here. I want to thank you for your service in the Navy. And I uh, appreciate you uh, doing that for our country. Uh, what's the Auburn fandom like within the military branches? Is there a lot of us out there, or did you find anybody to connect with there? Um, you know, actually, yes, there there are a few people. Um, the guy that came and did uh, the weather, um, you know, which back then was like a like a chart on a piece of cardboard, you know, with, with stickies <laughs> on it. Um, Glenn Newton is, uh, and he's still. He tailgates um, some spot. He just sent me a message a few weeks ago saying, "Hey, if you come to a game, you need to uh, hook us up." But he's he's an Auburn guy, um, and yeah, there are some. I, th- I think a lot of the a lot of pilots and stuff come from Auburn, and they're. Uh, I mean, I was enlisted, so I mean, I, I just kind of did my time and got out. Right. But, right. Um, so, but, but yeah, it's. Uh, I believe it's pretty tight, and I mean, now with all the networking that you can do, it's. I believe they stay. You're pretty tight knit. Did you um, have opportunities while you were away serving to listen to Auburn games, or I would imagine, just kind of assuming the time frame here, you know, that TV wasn't as accessible and able right. to. Was were you ever separated from that and having to get your Auburn news, you know, just through well, information, other means, or were you letters? Able, like, <laughs> letters is that that's how you got this? Yeah, I was on an aircraft carrier, so a lot of times, <laughs> I, I mean, we got TV on tape and we played. I mean, we played them um, and did, you know, closed circuit newscasts each night. Um, and we would mail tapes of that newscast out to all the other ships in the battle group. So, I mean, I'd be walking around in Norfolk and people would be like, hey, and I know you. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. Gosh, you know, it's, it was just doing my job, you know, but everybody knew who I was, which, you know, came, it worked out well. You know, it came time to leave because on my checkoff list to get out. You know, everybody's, oh, hey, yeah, here, great, give me that. I'll sign you off real quick because I knew who I was. I wasn't just, you know, some dude wanting their time. So, yeah, it worked out pretty well. Okay. Well, at least there was some way to get news, albeit very, uh, very, very late. Could you imagine now uh, if the kick six had happened during that time 
and you've had to wait weeks, maybe days, weeks to actually find this news out. And everybody's like, where have you been? I mean, on an aircraft yeah. carrier, I can't get the news like you guys can. Yeah, actually, we got the news um, on teletype. So there's this huge machine that sits in a corner that sounds like a typewriter. You know, and it's just got the AP stream, I think. So we would get scores, you know, an hour or so after they're alive. But we're the only people who had those scores to give to people. So it's, uh, we were, whenever we tried to make our office patch one time, our division officer said, you know, our slogan should be the news is what we give you because we could give them anything. They, <laughs> they we're like, no, let's not do that. It might not go, like, go too well. But anyway, the Navy was, the Navy was a good experience. I uh, got GI Bill, of course, and then made a few friends that I've kept through the years. So, awesome, yeah. awesome. You also spent some time sports anchoring which uh, it's not something I was aware of for you. So give me a little bit more information about that. Like what, what were you, is it just general sports? Were you covering a specific area of that when you were doing that? Mm, yeah, we just, um, we had a sports segment and like, we had a half hour newscast and then, you know, a sports segment, which just basically running down scores. I mean, we didn't have any video or anything. It's just, it's just reading, reading the news. So you, you didn't know. get any opportunities to throw some like Auburn jabs in there at every time Alabama would come up or something like that. No, I didn't. It was, uh, most of the time I was doing, it was springtime and summer. And, uh, so it was just baseball, mundane baseball scores, which, uh, yeah, nothing like that. I mean, we just, um, yeah, yeah. Just, just basically just, just read down the sheets and just kind of got in and out. Yep. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about actually getting to Auburn. With having ties to Auburn baseball and track and field, uh, you have told me that you were a lifelong Auburn fan. So was there really any other school that you at least considered other than Auburn, or was it just, nope, this is where I'm going? No, I mean, absolutely not. I, you know, I, um, I was always kind of wondering what I was going to do because, I mean, I never thought anything on the art track could actually you know, make any money and that's been a struggle but it's uh i mean i just i mean if i was going to go to any four-year university it was going to be all right uh, yeah i mean because i was the most um over the top fan as a kid you know, i put way too much emphasis on the success of auburn you know athletics you know for such a you know for such a long time and i mean it was it, it wasn't even me i got to auburn and um, another late friend of mine billy solomon he was also a huge Auburn fan and we would get introduced by people that didn't know that we knew each other. It was like, man, you got to meet this guy. He is as big a fan as you are. And we just feel like, oh, nice to meet you, man. He grew up seven houses down from me. So it wasn't even, you know, but we just roll with it, you know, cause we're just, you know, we grew up, you know, huge fans together and uh, you know, but it was that, that meant a lot to me at Auburn where everybody is an Auburn fan. It happened at least twice. People, you've got to meet this guy. He's like as big an Auburn fan as you. I'm like, Sweet. Who is it? Oh, okay. it's Billy. This okay. guy, no. <laughs> so, right. know, it's funny that you say that. And I'm thinking of like times in my life that I've had similar happen. You know, there's always this association you'll go, whether let's just say it's at work, they'll find out you're an Auburn fan. And usually it's pretty obvious. And then everybody, they're like, you got to meet this other guy's Auburn fan. And they always talk about us like we're these oddities and that we're just so over the top mega fans, which we might be, I'm not going to, and that's not something to be necessarily ashamed of, but why do you think that is? Why do, why are people so adamant that every Auburn fan they meet is this 
not over the top maybe, but this excited about it or this big about it. Like any idea why that is? Good question. Um, maybe it's, I never admit it, but I'm mean, a little bit of envy because it's like God doesn't see how much it means to us. It's just yeah. like, wow, you know, must be special. And they go home and hop on Google. What's so special about it? <laughs> <laughs> You know, but they're not going to admit to you. No way. No, I, I think they're probably hitting on something there that it's just kind of, they can tell something's a little bit different about us, whether that be a good or a bad thing. Uh, you know, we probably think it's a good thing, but I wonder if that's kind of what it is. It's like, God, I mean, I've met fans before, but this is something a little bit different. And I think that's, if you're trying to explain to someone what the Auburn family is, I think that's the best explanation that you can give them, you know, that, do you notice something different about me than any other fan out there? So That's why do they it love it so much? You know, so. It exudes out of you and it kind of encompasses all of you. And, you know, it's the whole of the Auburn experience, as also said, which is a phrase that I use all the time here. Um, you got arrived at Auburn in 94, uh, got there and you eventually ended with graphic design. Did you decide from the very get go that's the route you were going or did you kind of take a little bit of time to figure out what you wanted to do while you were at Auburn yeah I mean I instantly went into graphic design and I mean I, I almost I almost changed majors a couple of times but it just wasn't worth it you know I was so far along and uh I mean the higher level you get it's it's a lot more fun right <laughs> it's I mean you finally get to do some really cool projects and you know by that time I mean everything's rolling you know and it's good but uh nah never never anything other than graphic design so what are some of the classes that a graphic design person, if you can, I mean, I don't know if you can remember all of them. I barely remember what I had for breakfast this morning, so I won't be shocked if you can't remember some. But like for those of us that aren't graphic designers, any like insight into what the program was like there during your time? It was like the first, like the first year uh, is just core art skills. And, you know, it was, it was kind of irritating at first. And I said, golly, I mean, I want to get on a computer or whatever, but no, they, it's, art fundamentals and they're just you know you spend a lot of the classes you'll spend a half hour or half the class painting drawing doing something and second half you pin it all up on the wall and you just drill each other's stuff to pieces you know and that's that's the only way you get good i mean you learn that um your critique's not bad and it's it's really and there's a lot of it there was a lot of that and you grow. I mean, you grow as an artist and everything. And as you know, I thought I was good, you know, as, as a kid, Oh, you're such a good artist, whatever. I didn't know crap. <laughs> you know, it's just that first year is it's kind of like, it, okay, you, you see how much you don't know. And, uh, it's, and then later on, you know, they slowly started just letting, letting you, you know, get to the computers or whatever, but it's some of the most, uh, I guess, memorable classes, I guess, um, this figure construction, which, the final was you had, I think a couple of pieces of paper. One was an overlay and you had to draw a complete skeleton by memory and then draw the muscles over it on the overlay. And how difficult that was. <laughs> it's, it was, it's like, golly. And, and, and studying for that. And it's just all the stuff you forget. And then um, like, of course, the 400 level visuals classes where you get to, you know, just do your own thing. Right. And, uh, and a few, um, I got to do, you know, a few independent studies uh, in art history on a few of the, you know, my favorite artists. And that was, that was a whole lot of fun, mm -hmm. uh, especially with that humongous library. Yeah. 
Did you ever get lost in that library? Yep, but I knew right where this, the place was that had all the old art books. <laughs> I remember the first time I walked in, uh, I can't even pronounce the name, Ralph's RBD Library. Uh, RBD. And, uh, I just, I literally turned a corner and I, I had to call someone. I was like, I have no clue where I am. I, I need someone to come get me. I'm scared. <laughs> so, you make I'm me feel be better here. about myself. <laughs> I'm going to be here forever. It's, it's almost like the you're talking about uh, Haley Center on that on that other episode. And it's like, yep, some people are still trapped in there. I, was, I started laughing. I thought that was really funny. Did you ever have any classes in Haley Center? I did. I did. My, my first quarter there, on quarters back then. Um, and I'm sitting there, and it's on the uh, the south side, some um, uh, theater scene or whatever. And <laughs> look up, and Damian Craig walks in, you know, and he has a couple of his friends with him. You know, he walks in, you know, like just arrived on campus and whatever. And you know, he's he's a nice guy, but he was uh one thing I noticed about him, he had a polo shirt on, he just had the cuffed sleeves, and his throwing arm <laughs> was bigger. <laughs> his other arm and i was like <laughs> okay i guess so you can throw the football that much but you, you know you probably couldn't tell if the you know that cuff was just a little tighter on that throwing <laughs> arm than it was <laughs> on the other one i was just like all right so i'm not going to tell him but you know just hey leave it to the graphic designer to notice <laughs> the size of a cuff and how it's struggling with one arm of damien craig over the other <laughs> but it was yeah I, I was just glad he reported <laughs> Do you have any other classes with any other Auburn athletes that you remember? Um, no, I didn't have many classes. There, there weren't, there weren't a whole lot of, I mean, I might've had an art history class with somebody, but you know, I don't remember a bunch of other run-ins that are not in class. Like a lot of times whenever I recreate some conversations and stuff, I'll, I'll impersonate people. I mean, it's not meant to be mocking ever, but well, maybe for one, one <laughs> maybe for one person. <laughs> Oh, I hear there's a former basketball coach that you don't think too too highly of. Right? Oh, which one? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, just, so, yeah, and I have a football coach that I kind of feel the same way about. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> and that was a really funny story about this. I mean, I don't. I definitely don't want to get off into being negative, but uh, um, Terry Bowden. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just had to spit it out, didn't you? <laughs> You know, it's, it's right during my time there, and it's, and I describe this as you know the impossibly consistent spiral downwards the entire time I was in school, mm-hmm. the football program, and I mean, by the time he, it just infuriates me thinking about it. By the time he got to playing with just his recruits in '97, we got held to negative rushing yards three times that year. Mm. 2.2 yards per touch average in the SEC mm. and not, I mean, not a single Terry Bowden running back recruit ran for over 500 yards in a season. I just, that's <laughs> not Auburn. That's it really isn't Auburn. I just, and, and in grad school, this is, this is where I was going all that for this. We went to this barbecue place. This like a, you know, block North of, uh, my school and we're sitting there and i have on uh this this hat worn worn out just old beat beat up auburn hat and i look up and terry Belton's walking right right towards me <laughs> and he looks at me as he's walking looks up at the hat 
and it cuts his eyes back straight and walks right by you know i was just like yeah, you, you better <laughs> it's not that i would do anything but it's just i just the fact that he didn't say anything made my day i'm just like don't talk to me man uh, <laughs> not fond memories of one terry bowden no uh, now it, it started out good for him um, yeah. but you know, that's kind of the story of most coaches, most, I say, yeah, not every coach, but they kind of have that one era where they're really good. And usually it ends up with a firing these days, at least. So that yeah, was the case was, for Terry Bowden. Yeah. The, the, like it seemed like the post-game call-in shows were on loop for like four years. It'd be like uh, war Eagle coach or Eagle, you know, I'm, I know you hear this every week, but you know, are you going to recruit running backs that are more than 170 pounds? You know, Marquise Cooper hits the line going pretty fast. He never comes out the other side. And it's like, Terry Bowden's like, work done, work done, work done, work done. Scat back, scat back, scat back. Daddy did it like this. We're going to do it like this. We're not going to recruit. Gosh, just, and it continually didn't work. It just got worse and worse and worse. He couldn't see it. It's like, that's the negative part. I'm done talking about it. So if I got it out. <laughs> you listen, you weren't super negative. It just, you know, opening up your soul, but the frustration, because I can, I can understand um, being there in a time where, it, you know, we have a small window of opportunity where we're actually students there on campus and you want it to be special. Mm-hmm. And football is the engine that drives the car, as I like to say. So it's, in some respects it's the most important thing doesn't make everything else not important but it is kind of the engine that drives the car that is auburn so if that's a big part of your experience at auburn and it's not going really well that kind of sucks and i can understand the frustration that's built up over time you're there from 94 to 99 so if i have my math correct you see the end of the terry bowden era and you see the beginning of the tommy tuberville era is that correct so what's your impressions, you as a student, you've gone through, as you called, the spiral of Terry Bowden, same thing, nothing changing, and eventually he leaves or gets let go. Tommy Tuberville comes in, I'm not coming, or they're, they're going to have to take me out of here in a pine box, Ole Miss right. coach. What, what are your thoughts on that? What were your feelings? Take me back to that time. I was, uh, I mean, at meeting, he's, he's a great guy. Um, I didn't really have an impression on him at that time honestly i was uh i didn't know i just i was just kind of disenchanted by that time anyway, <laughs> just football. i'm just ready to graduate and you know i'll you know i'll get it you know get my fandom back in order you know whenever they get the football program back in order you know it was never like that but it's, right. i still cared but right i just you know no but i didn't have a a view you know, on toberville i mean i, I love the guy I mean, I think he he did a great job. I think the only only thing that he really did wrong was, um, I mean, he didn't reach out and get top level coordinators. But I mean, he ran he ran the program like we wanted it to be run. You know, clean. You know, making men, you know, out of boys, and just it was, yeah, he did so much right. I feel that it's, uh, you know, you know, when you just. Yeah, I mean, you, you can rehash the problems. I mean, but it's just he didn't go out and get – I mean, he did right. – um, like when he got Petrino, that was what he should have tried to emulate over and over again, going and getting and that. And Gene Chizik, he brought them in. That mm-hmm. was kind of like the sweet spot for Tommy 
was when he brought those two in uh, right about the same time and got the thing churning about the way you wanted it to. And then after, I, I agree with that. And he did, he had that air about him of uh, what they call it, the good old boy club or mm-hmm. something like that. Just we're promoting from within, which can be a great thing. Uh, but sometimes a little fresh, fresh blood can do wonders. And I, I think that's if, if that's his biggest knock that we can come up with on him, that's a pretty good stint at Auburn. It's probably why he was so quickly brought back into the circle. Not that when you're an Auburn coach that you're like pushed away forever. It'll be right. the same with Coach Malzahn at some point. But with, with Tuberville, it was just like, I think most of the fans really didn't want him gone. They just wanted something to change. Right. And they weren't ready for that big of a change. But anyway, that's an interesting perspective because someone who literally went through the spiral, as you called it, to that era of Auburn football, at least the beginning of it, uh, I can understand why you were so beat down with it. So were there any good moments for football that you can remember during your time as a student? Oh, yeah. I mean, just I was at the, you know, the barn burner game, um, Jarrett Holmes field goal. Game. I mean, you know, I never missed a game back then. And uh, yeah, actually, the the 94, it was my first SEC road trip, the 94 Florida game in Gainesville. Uh-huh. And this is a this is a great story. We uh, we didn't make an overnight trip. I mean, we drove down early that morning and went to the game. In Florida at that time, they fragmented their fans, the, the visiting fans, into whole you know small section here, small section there. You know they don't let everybody sit together, or they didn't. And so we were. I don't even think our tickets were there, but there's this one little block right on the 50 yard line on the Florida alumni side, <laughs> like right on the ground. Like Damian Craig was standing on the bench in front of us the whole game, but we packed double the people into this one little section and we're standing up the whole time. You know, the Florida fans behind us were chanting, sit down, Auburn, sit down, Auburn. There's like, whatever, you know, stand up. But we were, um, and the funny thing about um, the end of that game is, you know, Nick drops back and he floats that pass, floats that pass to Sanders. But anyway, and so all I saw, because this mass of humanity collapsed <laughs> is I saw a pair of hands come up with the, over the head of the person who was standing on the bench next to me, grab a ball, come down. And then boom, we're just, I'm under bodies for like a minute and come back up and we're kicking off. And so <laughs> like, wow, this, this is great. It's, you know, and, but that was, God, the, the, the Auburn chance. Have you ever been to Florida Field? Yes, I, I, I did get the unfortunate, I guess, opportunity to be at the last one, uh, which was uh, you know, a little bit frustrating. But uh, So I'm putting myself there as you're telling your, this story and kind of, kind of picturing what it must have been like back then. And, and heading out, um, you know, it's such a small uh, place, and the chance, the Auburn chance, were just echoing through that the, the cavernous, you know, just – I don't know what you call it, but just like when you're exiting your field level, it's just, it was deafening. The Auburn chance just flying, just flying through there. I'm glad was, you brought, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I want to ask you something real quick, just to, for, to see if I think about this properly. Have you been to many other SEC stadiums? I have not. Okay. Um, then you I might not I... be able to answer this question, but at least, I'm sure you've been into, you've obviously been to Auburn Stadium and seen mm. the structure to get the bowels to get in and stuff like that. To me, mm. obviously, we're orange and blue glasses on here. We think it's great. You've probably been to other high school or something like that, football stadiums. I have not been in a football stadium who the inside and the outside, meaning the bowl part of where you're actually watching the game and the actual way to get into all of that, 
are completely night and day. Like you said, it's cavernous. I 100% agree with that. Like, it's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. swampy down there. It's gross. And you get out into the bowl, and it's beautiful from a certain perspective and a great football experience. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I mean, personally, yeah. Florida, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> it is. And, and you feel sorry for it because, I mean, what can they do? Just bulldoze it? You know, they're not going to do that. But it's, right. it's they, you know, they built it too small, probably, initially. So, so. Yeah, it's not a, you know, obviously not a fond experience because we lost the game that I was there. But that's what always has stuck out to me is just the contrast from the inside to the outside of it. And like, it's just like, oh, I'm glad to be here. It's an awesome experience. Oh, I got to walk back through that. And it's just, it's just <laughs> the, the worst thing ever. Uh, but a great game for you to get experience a terrible right. structure for a football stadium like that. Wow, that that game, golly, so so much fun. Yeah, but on also the. Uh, the barn burner game. I was I was in the uh, um, in the student section. I could look back and see flames. It's like, man, I hope the wind keeps blowing that way. Or it'd have been terrible. I mean, it would have. I mean, had the smoke been blowing northwest, or the wind been blowing northwest, you know, I mean, there could have it could have gotten ugly. I mean, there'd have been a stampede yeah. trying, trying to get out of the, in the student section. I mean, just thankfully, you know, it was blowing away. So. So for you as a student sitting in that section, seeing those flames rise up over the ridge of the, the stadium, I, I know you said it was a little bit you're worrisome, but like how seriously worried were you guys there? I, did you have a, a understanding of how far away the flames were? Or was it just kind of one of those things, well, we're just, we're here, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, <laughs> like, Basically, I mean, it's, I mean, that's what was going through my mind. I'm like, you know, if, if smoke comes in here, everybody's going to start running and falling and you know, it's going to be ugly, but you know, we're also young and invincible. So whatever, we'll just wait till it happens and, you know, <laughs> just go we'll worry about it. If something, something bad happens, we'll, we'll run. Okay. There's a lot of uh, Auburn sports to talk about, you know, outside of your time at college, which we can uh, touch on that some, but uh, did you get into any other Auburn sports a lot while you were there other than football, like basketball, baseball, things like that? Or was it strictly football for you? Basketball, um, baseball as well. I got stories. We, uh, you know, this is probably the funniest story I have here. We were um, in basketball, the, in Beard Eves, they had uh, the cliff dwellers, which is just, you know, some grandstands at the end of the, um, the court by the Auburn bench. And uh, at that time, um, Auburn had Pat Burks like starting center and Alvin Jefferson was his backup. Um, And Alvin Jefferson looked just like David Robinson. You know, he had these deltoids the size of basketballs, you know, and was just this (laughs) colossal guy. And Pat Burke, me and a buddy of mine, Rob, we were just getting so frustrated with him because he had six inches and 40 pounds over everybody else on the court. And he's right under the goal triple pumping trying to fake people out finally getting the ball slapped out of his hands and it's like you know the whole crowd's grumbling and everything and so i yell alvin and my buddy rob picks it right up instead we didn't even plan it he says jefferson but after i yelled alvin it's like the whole beard eaves just went quiet (laughs) and so when he yelled jefferson it's like you know, record scratch, you know, like the whole bench, their heads swivel over half of them are laughing, you know, and you talk about that, that meme, the, um, uh, where was this, uh, the Homer Simpson's backing, yeah. backing into that bush. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep. Like, it's like, oh man, but it was, a uh, just, 
It's, and I did another one of those things at a Braves game later too, where everybody seems to shut up right as the time you yell, you mm-hmm. know, but that's and the funniest thing was coach Ellis looks over at us too. And then he, he points at Pat. He's like, come on. And Pat loves off the, the court and Alvin comes in. We're like, yeah, it worked. It worked. So, yeah. <laughs> Little did you know that you would affect the outcome of a game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, baseball, you said that you got into. Do you remember any games or anything from there uh, d- during your time as a student? All right. Went to as many as I could. And we were, I actually worked at the Garden of Eden um, doing landscaping. Mm-hmm. And we would uh, we'd get done with a lot of our jobs, like Huddy's senior year or whatever. And so we would pull up into the um, parking lot you know, outside of right field. We'd get out and we'd sit on our uh, on the tractors or whatever and watch the game and went, and they mercy ruled so many people that year you had to get there early and you yeah. didn't miss a game yeah it's not like auburn's had i think i forget what season it was but it felt like we give away the game at the end you, you need to stay to the end to see if it actually was going to end up being an auburn win it's the opposite for you it's like hey if you're not there by the third inning it could be over <laughs> that point oh that team was brutal and and huddy it's it's a shame that he he got drafted into the american league because the dude could hit yep you can't tell me that he would not be in some, like high, you know, and, you know, pitchers, you know, batting average, like, like the records. Cause he was, golly, and it, he stopped pitching and going left field. You know, they pulled the left fielder, let him, you know, still stay in the lineup to hit. It's just, that guy was insane, man. Yeah, it was a really good talent. And just you you saw when he got to the Braves where he got the opportunity to do a little bit more hidden. Some of that came through, but, you know, you'd been kind of conditioned to just the whole, I'm just a pitcher for so long, the American League. It kind of takes that little bit of that talent away that you had, not necessarily take it away, but kind of waters it down, so to speak. So Yeah, he didn't have to hit for so long that he probably lost a lot of Right, right. Despite having such a frustrating time for football there you still had some great uh, moments there especially a uh, great time to be there for baseball as you said uh, maybe a little bit boring but <laughs> uh, at least you knew yeah. that the team was successful hey auburn fans i want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special here at the e2c network we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for auburn fans out there and best of all it's free to you But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2Cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. 
before we kind of move away from your time at Auburn, we talked a little bit about school, about sports and stuff like that. What did you get involved with on campus or do you anything like that or just hung out with friends? What kind of the, I guess, the traditional campus life, what was that like for you? Um, well, I was I was always interested in club sports. I was um, I was actually for one year the president of the, the roller hockey club. And, you know, which I'm super proud of the our hockey club now. They've you know, they've taken it to the stratosphere, man. That's a really good stuff. But um, now we kind of spiraled downwards because we were playing roller hockey on um, old tennis court, burning through $30 of wheels a month, you know, just, you know, it's really wasn't worth it. But um, um, I did, I mean, my love for club sports, I actually kind of tried to get something started. I went to um, an architect, Auburn architect, and I was like, hey, we need a place to play. And I said, you know, and I told him what we need, you know, just like concrete slab sport court, you know, and he's, this guy got on board with, I can't remember his name, but he actually, he threw some plans together and we you know, actually had a meeting. Of course, we had no idea how we we're going to pay for it, but so, but he, you know, he threw some stuff together and we actually had a meeting at the athletic department. And um, I mean, I believe hey, it's all about insults. So we're going to say this. He sent, <laughs> he sent some assistant coach in there to sit there reading the paper running by interference and basically saying you know this is a waste of time it's never going to happen and that got over on me so bad so i guess terry about never had a, a chance <laughs> <laughs> so but i mean why even do that why i mean just but anyway they've yeah they've taken it and run with it man this yeah. is, is a true ice hockey club i mean they have to travel to columbus to practice and play but you know, good for them. And I'm, I, I could not be more proud of them. And, uh, um, I was also, I mean, I was not a six, like I was part of the cycling team club. I mean, I'm a, a recreational cyclist. And so I was, uh, I mean, I never did anything race wise and worth you know, mentioning, but I mean, I did ride with them and I got to wear you know, the orange and blue, like my dad, which you know, is part of it. You know, I just, you want to represent, you know, you want to do, you know, and I got smoked, you know, at several races. You know, I mean, I, I did good at one and one where, but I, it, that's not what mattered to me. You know, I wasn't, I was never going to be as good a cyclist as these, these guys, you know, they're doing. And you want to talk about something that's crazy. I was blown away the level of testosterone in one day cyclists who are wearing their SEC colors. Uh-huh. It's just good grief, man. It's just, <laughs> like you could bottle that and sell it it's crazy but uh you seem to have a pretty good insight into the the club sports and you know that's that's an area that i have a little bit of a passion for i won't sit here and say that i'm the biggest advocate for them in the world but like you know i'm always fascinated by that stuff because i don't think it gets looked at enough i think hockey like you brought up is obviously become a little bit more prominent people will pay attention to that a little bit you know people forget that we used to have a wrestling team uh, as well you know i know that actually was a sanctioned sport and stuff like that but there are so many other aspects of auburn that people don't really invest in enough that i think that they should and if you can and we're not going to sit right. here and act like football is not the big thing we've already addressed that but you know that's the whole of the auburn's experience it seems like my goodness you had the whole of the auburn experience cycling well, well, <laughs> roller hockey uh well, all, just, all the all that stuff I, you know, I tried to, I mean, I had uh, an idea back then um, and starting, you know, obviously it never happened, but starting something uh, called uh, the Auburn University uh, Club Sports Foundation where, I mean, we could, 
raise money and even maybe hopefully have a facility for you know, club sports, which I mean, some other schools do. And I mean, if anybody out there wants to do it, you know, I'd be happy to help now, but it's, you know, yeah, that was just, I, that was near and dear to me. And I, I just, um, I, I always, I always love the people who want to, you know, represent Auburn just because you know, they love it and they're good at something. And right. they're, you know, taking your talents that you have and utilizing the best you can to share the orange and blue with everybody who needs to see it out there. Where's the orange and blue? round that out uh let's talk a little bit about time outside of auburn uh you uh were there from 94 to 99 graduated with a graphic design went on to grad school uh and uh you got involved obviously as your degree says with the world of graphic design uh what have you been doing since then and and kind of what uh have you gotten involved with um after graduation and until now i know that's a lot of years to kind of condense into something but give us a little perspective about what chris has been like since then uh, well, um, after graduation, I worked for a couple of, um, you know, advertising firms in Birmingham, uh, moved to work with a cousin of mine in Mobile, uh, she's doing web development, and then I moved back home, tried the family business thing for a little while, and then uh, went to, went to grad school, um, I was, I went there for game development, um, I, I'm on the modeling side, the 3D modeling animation side, and so it was got out of that and went to went directly to work with Lockheed Martin. Um, it was, it was the safe bet. Uh, my wife was pregnant by the time, uh, I was graduating. So you know, having a little girl, so let's go into defense. And so it was, a uh, pay was a little bit better. Hours were a little bit safer, you know, for family. So it was, a it was the right thing to do and, yeah. um, worked for them for nearly 10 years. Now I'm kind of um, in the middle. We're out here in Texas now. And, um, hopefully it's time. My wife is just a, she, she is a um, a teacher for the hearing impaired and mm-hmm. just an absolutely incredible f- for the young, the younger kids. She can teach them how to read like nobody else. And wow. she's just unmatched. And so like, we're trying to get back, but I mean, she's not going to leave a class in the middle right. of the year. So that's, um, that's kind of where we are. You know, teachers themselves, just the, the idea of being a teacher is such a calling, but then you take that type of teaching. That's a true calling. And I, and I can appreciate why that's so hard to leave uh, because Auburn's a, it's a big goal. That a lot of people have, you and I have already talked about this a little bit ourselves that everybody seems to want to get back there. It's just a race to who can get there the fastest before everything's taken up and too expensive. Um, so that tells you how passionate she is about not just her job, but you know, the people uh, that she's working with right now, the kids uh, that, something alluring is that can't steal it. It hasn't yet stole her away from that. Since you're, you said you're from Texas though. Uh, I asked you a little bit about the Dothan area. What's it like out there in the Texas world in, in terms of Auburn fandom? Have you got a lot of fans out there to connect with or there is are, it- there are a pretty good amount. I mean, um, it's even, um, even our church, I'm working at my church now. And actually my boss is, um, our tight end, Brandon Frazier's dad. And, oh really uh, yeah yeah so it's uh i i saw his <laughs> i saw his high school footage and was like are you kidding me like where, where's your thing about going it's like ah oh, well arkansas auburn i'm like sweet <laughs> so <laughs> anyway we can convince him that pigs are not way to go <laughs> yeah exactly and it was but he said uh, he told me that man once i set foot on auburn i, I was in love with it yeah. i was like sweet you yeah, know that was i mean he i love that but anyway yeah um that but anyway yeah like our life group um they headed up our life group you know they were um they were auburn people and they 
you know, had almost everyone else, you know, in the class who <laughs> didn't have an affiliation, they were all Auburn fans by the time it was <laughs> over with. <laughs> so basically it sounds like, you know, kind of fitting to the times we're in right now, you're a little bit of a virus that's infecting people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was good stuff though. It's, um, yeah, there are plenty. Yes, there are a lot of, um, but it is, I mean, I live in Plano and it, man, it, uh, the cost of living out here is astronomical. Of course, I mean, it's getting there in Auburn too, but it's, right. it's, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, how are the, how are the Texas A&M fans out there? Are they, uh, pretty friendly. Cause to me, every time I've interacted with a Texas A&M fan, they're still so like new and fresh to the SEC. It's almost like they don't want to hurt our feelings too bad. I mean, that's, that's the impression I get. What's it like out there? Well, most of the ones that I've met, you know, are, I hate to say, are educated, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and so they're, you know, more civil, but I mean, I've, I've heard of, I've heard of bad ones, you know, but I, I tell you, since the news of um, Oklahoma and Texas joining, this is me all the time, Auburn hat right. all the time. And basically I felt invisible the entire time I've been out here. It's just, it's not, you know, I'll get, you know, a random, Real tired, you know. Okay, right. What? What are? But a lot of, you know, not a lot, but some war eagles, you know. And it's like, hey, war eagle back, you know. But since the news of them joining the SEC, I have gotten so many scowls, and I look down, and they're wearing Oklahoma gear or UT gear. Dude, they know the cakewalks over. You know, their athletic department's like, sweet, we got all this money. They're like, screw it, we're not going to see the uh, <laughs> national championship for another two decades it's and i mean the sports guys out here we have a great radio station called the ticket i love listening to them and their take on it or one guy's take that he sticks by is you know this really hadn't worked out like texas a&m thought it was going to where they're going to just join up and whip I, they really haven't done won anything since <laughs> and and that's that's what blows me away about this whole thing. It's just okay, you just now you limit your chances to go undefeated. You know, thirteen thirteen out of the last twenty years, Oklahoma's won won their conference. Why would you leave that? You know, and they're already getting more money than any of the other teams. That's why all the other teams right. are like, bye. You know, just <laughs> just but so, oh god, the change, so much change is just. It's frightening, honestly. It, it is a little bit scary. I, I will admit that. And I, when I saw the reality of it taking place, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is real. This isn't like somebody just conjecture saying something. This is, <laughs> this, this is something that's been in the works for a while. We just didn't know. It makes you wonder what else is Greg Sankey capable of if he can pull this off and not know it, nobody know anything about it. I mean, he's a, he's a genius. Like, <laughs> yes. And that was their take, you know, on the radio station out here is like how they were literally these guys have been on on this show for 20 years out here they're like i still don't know how did they keep this a secret we haven't heard a peep about this it's it's amazing how do they do this and you know if they uh the only reason it leaked is because they wanted it to leak because they they were ready for it too so that's it's impressive and it's going to be a little bit interesting especially if you spend a, little, a few more years out there uh, to really see what that becomes like as now traditional, well, not traditional, but more contemporary SEC country. Because it's it's a little, it's weird to still think of Texas A&M out there being SEC. But now that Austin's involved in that, all the way up to Oklahoma, hey man, it's fair game at this point. 
Tennessee uh, from Tennessee over, you know, it's or in Kentucky over. It's it's all was, SEC. Yeah, I was I was never a fan of of the Missouri A and M edition in the first place because you know it, it affected us more than I mean right. anyone else. But yeah, it just that's frustrating. A couple more things that I want to hit on though before we kind of wrap up. Um, I, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, there's been a lot that's happened sports wise um, since you graduated. We touched on a lot of your time there as frustrating as it could have been for like football. Uh, but anything that you want to share um, as being an Auburn fan in, you know, the Tommy Tuberville, Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn era games, memories that you kind of want to hit on. Um, yeah, there's a, uh, I went to um, the 86 game. Uh, I have a few stories. Uh, the 86 university of Florida game, my uncle um, and my dad were private pilots. And so, you know, we flew up to the, that game, which is, you know, the only game where um, Emmett Smith was ever held under 100 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And um, we got tickets last second. We were 50 yard line on the alumni side, row one. So <laughs> it was like, so on the play, um, Slack to Watson, we were, all the players were standing up on the bench. And so we couldn't see anything. And it was another one of those things where I saw hands come up grab a ball and then just everybody goes nuts <laughs> and so <laughs> and because we couldn't see anything there's just a mountain or just a wall of you know human or football players just in between us and the, and the game so we didn't see much of it but we were there <laughs> so, uh, um, and and another story that i want to tell when i was uh, in 10th grade i was working at burger king in the in the wiregrass commons mall in dothan alabama and uh I see this table sitting outside of you know, one of the department stores and it says, Pat Dye, going to be here to you know, sign autographs, whatever. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'm a broke high school student. <laughs> yeah, I don't have 40 bucks to go buy a football for him to sign. So I walk through the mall in my, you know, Burger King uniform, go to the sporting goods store, and I buy a baseball. And so walk up to, I mean, I'm, I'm like the first one there when he comes in, you know, because it's like right next to the food court. So I could just pop out. And it's like, hey, coach. And I hand him, hand him a baseball. He's like, well, nobody's ever asked me to sign one of these before. <laughs> I said, yeah, well, I can't really afford a football. You know, right, I'm not the one you should you have, you know, signing some of baseball. You should have Bo Jackson or Frank Thomas sign. I'm like, can you make that happen? <laughs> oh, no, I, I ain't seen them since, since they left Auburn. I've, <laughs> I was <laughs> But anyway, it's like I probably have one of the only autographed Pat Dye baseballs. That's funny. <laughs> it is. You know, he, he was athletic director though, so it would have made sense for him to do it. He is actually sitting right next to my Ted Williams ball. So, oh, well, that's that's quite a bit of a contrast there. Ted Williams makes sense. Pretty big ball to have signed, and Pat Dye signed baseball. You don't hear that, but very much every day. Yeah, War Eagle, Pat Dye. So there's a. Uh, and another time that we came to the 88, uh, eight day game. And, uh, but for some reason, my dad, uh, and his friend, uh, Mr. Milner were just hanging around late. And so they let us run around and, uh, for several hours after the game. And so we ran over to the, um, inflatable practice bubble, you know, over there mm-hmm. where the, and, you know, we we're sneaking around looking for people and, and we bust up into that thing completely empty. You talk about something you remember as a kid. We were in there throwing you know, Auburn footballs on Auburn's practice turf by ourselves for like 30 minutes. 
you know, just for us, it's like, this is, I mean, talking about a fun, just, we're expecting the cops to, you know, come in there at any second be like, your kids get out of here. But it's, you know, that's, I love that that actually happened. That would just, that is a really cool story. And the, the funny thing is I'm thinking back to a previous episode and I'm, I'm blanking on the number of it, but Josh Dowdy has a story about driving a car into the uh, actual um, up ramps into the stadium. So between you two <laughs> breaking into the stadium, I'm amazed that we actually have uh, oh, wow. a stadium still to go in there too. So, Hey, look, you know, our love for Auburn sometimes takes us to places and, causes us to do things sometimes we're maybe not proud of or maybe we are in some small part of us but uh it's just kind of who we are it comes out of us in unique ways uh, before we go though I, I would like to give you an opportunity we kind of alluded to this um we talked a lot about your um, time as a graphic design student and now after that you've gotten involved um with the auburn minecraft project and helped uh become a big part of that and bringing that to fruition. Now, I will tell the listeners again: if you want to get lots of detail on that, you can go back and find that as an E2C extra episode. Just type in Auburn and Minecraft; it'll come right up for you um, on our main feed or anywhere on the internet, really. And I would suggest you do that because it's a really cool thing. Um, but I just want to give you, Chris, just a minute or two, just to kind of tell people what it is, kind of what you're doing, just so that people kind of understand what it is because auburn and then minecraft the video game where you can build worlds but i'll let you take it from there and explain it okay. yeah it's um a guy named trey long initially built it while he was in school um he's an electrical engineer from auburn but um he was in minecraft's a world where i mean it's just one meter blocks and it's just you can build whatever you want and so he he loved i mean that's another dude that loves auburn he's and he's an auburn history buff and just I mean anything Auburn he'll you know eat it up but it's he built the initial campus more uh, just strictly worried about um the accuracy of the architecture and he made these videos of it and, and put them on YouTube and my daughter is just a humongous Minecraft fan and she showed these to me like five years ago I was blown away you know I went I mean I got out of video game graduate school and I wanted to I mean my goal I wanted to have an open source 3D modeling project you know, that had a an accurate Auburn University campus that we keep updated for use in, you know, say first person shooter games. And like another project I never really got going. I have all these ideas, but um, once, you know, I got that world from him and all I wanted to do is expand it because he just built and he cut it off, you know, right behind Parker um, and Allison there, you know, but I mean, I wanted to go out further. And so um, he gave me the world. And so I started expanding it. And then just um, a little over a year ago, um, we came um, into this plugin that allowed us to get GIS sourced terrain into Minecraft, which put the you know, the believability of it over the top. Right. And so it took a lot of work, but um, I mean, it's at a point now where- It's I recognizable, mean, like watching it come up. Some of these- screenshots i'm taking and the immersion factor is we get we got this terrain right mm -hmm. when you're in this game is absolutely i mean yeah i'm bragging this is impressive it is really the accuracy of what we're doing is i mean it's just it's unmatched we're both you know it's like all right what do you want to do it's like man do we want to square this off square this off and the only thing that's going to end up squared off in that game build north south because you know the building stuff with cubes 
you know, this at an odd angle is hard, you know, make mm-hmm. it look good. Jordan Hare is straight up north south, and I doubt that we ever fix that. But everything else will be built, you know, accurately, whether you know it's ugly or not. It's just <laughs> we want it to be, you know, correct and uh, look like. I want it to be where if you blur these images, these screenshots of this game, you possibly could fool somebody that yes. it's not the it's, you know, it's the real thing, and that's um that's the goal. And it's you know why. You know, there's no money in it. There's it's because it's fun and it's what I love to do. And we're both good at it. But I mean, we're doing it because people enjoy it. I mean, it's blown up even the past couple of weeks because we've had some like really good days taking some screenshots and posting them. And people are just, you know, they're blown away. And so you can find I me mean, in MC Albi at Twitter or mm-hmm. Instagram. And just there are tons of pictures there. And it's, so we're and very the Auburn Minecraft project on YouTube, correct? That's the, the way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's going to be um, a new video coming. I've been telling you about it for a while, but it's, I'm kind of in my, my perfectionist mode <laughs> trying to get it done that uh, it's coming and it'll visually explain you know, the history of everything that's gone. And it's, uh, it's going to be fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really been fascinating to watch just since we've done the episode and now talking to you, what you've accomplished since then. And, and there have been times where I've been just scrolling through on, on social media and then I'll, I'll come past one of yours and then I have to stop. And I'm like, hold on. Did they get some new, you know, graphic capability to make it look real? I'm like, no, that wait, hold on. Now that I've stopped, I see that's Minecraft. It look, there's some blocky, you know, areas to it and stuff yeah. like that. But that's how like, I just zoomed past as like somebody just did another pretty you know, picture of campus. So yes, it, it is getting to a point where you guys now are actually able to capture the rolling plains of Dixie, mm-hmm. as it says, you know, in, in our alma mater. So I think it's a really cool project. It's something that I think people should be aware of. And uh, I think, I hope I you will go follow uh, these two guys and their passion that they have for this. And uh, we'll just kind of keep watching, not just the campus, not just the sports venues, but uh the community of Auburn, uh, mm, everything else. around it. Yeah. And, pretty- and we're making it to eventually release, um, you know, for everybody to play. I mean, but not, I mean, and it's, you know, it's not going to be complete when we release it and we can't, right. <laughs> you know, everything is not complete right Jordan now. <laughs> Parkway. Yeah. It'll change a week later. So who cares, right. but there is some point in the future where we will release it. It's going to be, it's going to be hard, especially for people playing on, consoles because right now this save file is five gigs and it's oh, because it, it, it's such a huge <laughs> such a huge file. file so I'm like all right you can give it a shot but you know and i'm not paying for those hosting fees <laughs> <laughs> so but um yeah there, there's one more thing i wanted to tell you about i worked uh this is a real real funny story i worked at blockbuster out on the Oplaka highway when i was there as well and you know i was uh i was sitting there one day, you know, rewinding, re- rewinding tapes and, you know, dinging people's accounts, you know, with bad quotes. It's like, this fool has never rewound a single, you know, tape since he's rented from us, whatever. But anyway, I'm sitting there and I look up and Takeo Spikes walks through the door. And it was after his freshman year, spring, spring of his freshman year. And he says, hey, I need to get an account. I'm like, where are you going to Keo? Yeah, I just need to see your driver's license. He, he looks back and forth. He said, you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> of course I know who you are, man. I'm a big fan. It's like, where are you going? It's like, oh, man, thank you. He's the sweetest dude. 
and just, I mean, as nice as the day is long, man. And he was, so I issued to Kia Spikes his universal blockbuster card. (laughs) And nobody else can say that. (laughs) So, yeah, and he was, and uh, that also, you know, one of my best friends, I lived with him, Philip Watson, working at um, Blockbuster allowed me to do one of the best practical jokes, college practical jokes that I've ever pulled off. And that was, um, it was little magnetic strips that, you know, you have to demagnetize when people walk through, you know, whatever it'll be. Beep, 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 beep. Right. It took a few of those home and he had left his wallet out on the speaker and I opened it, opened it up and opened up a flap. And like, I put one of those strips deep, like under a secondary flap where it was really hard to find. And they didn't, you know, they didn't come in a blockbuster that often because, Hey, Chris, did you pick up a movie? You're not, you know, I'd bring it home, but it was, so it was like three weeks after I did it. I almost forgotten that I'd done it. And he and Amanda came in and they're, you know, he, he gets to go through, you know, and they, and he walks through and they're like, beep, 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 beep. And everybody turns. And, and that's the, the first time. I don't know how I kept a straight face because at that exact time, I realized that it was me and it's, but I mean, but I did it. I don't know how I kept like, what's, what's going on. You know, and, and they tried and tried and tried, and he never pulled his wallet back out. And, you know, the, they were trying to pass the bag of you know, VHS tapes around it or something. Finally, they're like, no, nah, he's paid for it. Just going out. It's like a month and a half went by, like at least three episodes of this happening. And finally, he took everything out of his wallet and finally found the strip. He figured it out. But it just, I mean, it was, it was like, he's like, because he actually did. We got back a few weeks later, he said, ah. He probably put one of the strips in there, but he couldn't find it because I'd hit it, you know, in, inside of, like I said earlier, but it was, that was great. That was good stuff. Lots of stories, lots of experiences. And uh, one of the most diverse uh, whole Auburn stories that I've heard in quite some time. So you have done it all, sir, uh, out, in and out of Auburn. And uh, it's a pretty cool story that I, I've enjoyed hearing about, but you're not done yet. Right. You've listened before. You know the drill. We got to do the not so rapid fire, rapid fire questionnaire to get you out of here and checked gotcha. off on your Auburn roots. So we got 12 questions. Let's start with number one, orange or blue? Blue. Why? Blue, definitely. Um, this navy blue is my favorite color. And uh, I do love orange. And uh, also my, uh, my wife's favorite color is navy blue. And uh, her wedding dress was navy blue. Just worked out. It's like it was meant to be or something. Absolutely. It's fantastic. <laughs> Question two, Obby or War Eagle? Obby. And, you know, halfway through college, you know, I can't remember which friend it was. He said, why didn't you try out to be Obby? I mean, you'd have been. You did everything else. <laughs> well, I mean, you see, you know, I'm goofy as all get out, you know, and oh my gosh, you'd have been great. You know, I mean, all the ones now are, you know, some, some of the best dancers you'll know, but they weren't like that back then. I mean, they're, right. you know, you had, you know, the obbies that one of them was jumping on a pogo stick on his platform, like in front of the student section. And he, he actually went off and his leg went down in between the fence and he was laying in the bush, but he he really messed up his knee and they had to come and pull him off or or whatever, but it's just random stuff like that. You know, I would have, it would have been the, um, probably the favorite thing I could say I ever did in my life. If I had a chance to be Ollie, I mean, that, I mean, I just, he's the best. It's hard to beat that cat. We love Mm. him so much. Question three, what's your favorite part of the Auburn fight song? Uh, 
word, phrase, any of it. The go, go, go with, with paper shakers, preferably. With paper shakers. <laughs> with, with the dust coming off of them. You know, like Pat Dye said, 89. They were shaking them shakers so bad you could see orange haze in the air. I just, there's something about those old paper shakers. It just, I wish we had them every game. I think it was uh, episode 19. I had Letitia DeRoe on, uh, and she's the uh, cheerleading sponsor. And I asked mm-hmm. her if we could ever have those back. And she said, as long as I'm here, it won't happen. <laughs> Aww. Letitia, come on. I, I tried. I tried real hard, but uh, I don't think she's going to be convinced to uh, have to help in that cleanup process ever again. Uh, question four might be an easy one. Your favorite Auburn athletics program? That's football. Yeah. Can't beat Figured. Can't beat football. It's hard to beat it. Question five, maybe a little bit tougher. Your favorite Auburn athlete of all time? This is a hard one. <laughs> it's, uh, this is where people start struggling a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but um, I want to say Bo. I mean, that image up there, that my first game in Mississippi State, 85. You know, and Chuck, it's like, uh, you know, how can you? I love I love Chuck's humor, man. I just I can't. It's probably Charles Barkley. I I, I can't. You know, I like to say Chiquio Spikes because I met him. You know, but it, Charles Barkley, you gotta love the guy. He's he's just hilarious, and right. you know, and he's and he embodies you know, love for Auburn because it it hadn't waned an ounce. With right. Him. Well, he's become a very he's really coming to his own as an ambassador for Auburn, not just the school, not just the team, but just as the Auburn family. And and I really like watching his journey, not to say that he wasn't that way before, but it's just, it's becoming more of a thing. And I think he's learned to appreciate that more and more and what he's really kind of not necessarily lucked into, but found himself lucky enough to be a part of. Um, So that's a really cool thing to kind of watch that journey for him. Question six, your favorite Auburn coach of all time. Well, um, I gotta say, it's, it's at this point, it's it's Bruce Pearl. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a, just because I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, outside of that, Tommy Turberville, because yeah, just seven seven wins, man. You can't. It's hard to beat that. It, you know, it's, we were talking about earlier about why it was so easy for him to kind of assimilate back into the Auburn family after being let go. You know, seven wins in a row against your rival. <laughs> Yeah, that's the ticket. You know, if any other Auburn coach wants it, a, you know, an instant like endearment towards the fans, seven wins in a row pretty gets you solidly in there forever. Yeah, no matter what you do, probably. <laughs> uh, question seven: Your favorite Auburn non-athletics person? So this can be anybody: a friend, a family member, a celebrity that's not athletics related. You know, a professor, anybody. When I think of Auburn, I think of this person. It's- Kind of athletics related, but not athlete or coach. Uh, probably Jim Fife. I'll allow it. I will allow it. He, because when I was I was a kid in our family business on Saturdays, we worked half the day, and so I would you know, I would try to get finish with my stuff early so I could run to the car, you know, and turn on you know, the radio. Just like all right, and happy to hear him. His golly, it's he painted the picture of where I wanted to be at that moment. You know, and just and God, his his love for Auburn was incredible as, as well. But he he was a titan, man, and just didn't realize how good he was until he was gone. And you go back and you rewatch these games and re-listen to just how perfectly he laid the stuff out. I mean, I just it, it gives me chills. I'll go and watch that YouTube video 
once a month, you know, of just all his, all his greatest calls. And I mean, like we have, and Rob did a good job following up, but man, Jim Fife's death hurt like a family member. It did. It was just, and at that 88 a day game, um, it was, it was one of those things. I was just being completely blown away that whole weekend. I saw him, you know, scurrying across the street in between Plainsman Park um, and Jordan Hare, you know, like an eager kid ready to get this next thing. And he was almost taken aback, you know, that I was like, hey, Mr. Fife, it's like, hey, can I shake your hand? He's like, oh, sure, sure. Thank you. Just, you know, just in his, just a sweet guy and mm. just, you would wonder why anyone would, you know, ever want to, you know, meet him or what. I, that that just that, that got over on me a little bit. Just uh, just a, a quiet strength that kind of exuded from that we sometimes will associate with members of the Auburn family. It's why we endeared so uh, so closely to him, and it's, it is sad to not have him in here anymore, and as well as Rod. But it's uh, all the more special memories now, simply because of not just because they were Auburn related, but because of the type of people they were. It's part of the Auburn family. Uh, let's see. Question eight: Your favorite Auburn building? You should know uh, this very well. Being Plainsman Park, <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Niggas, I, I built Plainsman Park from from the brick up. You know, it's not as impressive as the Jordan here, but it's um, it is. I I love I love the fact that we had that ridiculous electrical farm there. They they can't do anything with, so we have to build you know Green Monster to hide it. But it's worked out so well. And then that new uh, science building up on the hill, you know, they painted the you know, adjacent buildings, you know, that dark gray, all right. of that part of campus is coming to look so good. And it's uh Plainsman park is just fantastic in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a classical looking, you know, there's nothing. I mean, I guess it's hard. There's nothing stupid about, <laughs> about Plainsman park. I mean, you'll, I mean, I watch other games in the, it's like Athens, God, something about what's like right behind there. It's like they got these, all these fences with people and chairs or something behind it. It's just, just everything about Plainsman Park is just is class. And I mean, love it. And it is a, a place of a lot of conglomeration of different things, whether it be the big green monster or just other elements of it that have kind of been brought together to form a, very, a more perfect union, if I may steal a phrase right there, uh, to make what now is even with a big electrical farm in the background. Uh, that kind of almost adds to the character of it, even though it's kind of blocked now. Uh, it, we all know it's back there because there was a time it was just wide out in the open there. In the <laughs> so, so ugly. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Question nine, your favorite Auburn place to eat. Um, it was Buffalo Connection. When they, when they opened that up, you know, Byron Franklin, then it's, uh, that place was fantastic. You know, it, it kind of did the Terry Bowden thing. It was a slow spiral downward from the time it opened up. And it, you know, actually there's a bad, bad story. I was uh, on a message board with a guy that was working there at the end. And evidently, you know, these two women that were running it were also selling drugs out of the place. And it's like, (laughs) he said, my last day there was when the feds showed up or something. Wow. Wow. But man, it's like, there are a lot of people you know who are in buffalo connection just you know, just bring it back that's the uh first time we've had buffalo connection that i can recall uh mentioned in this questionnaire so first time for everything and wow what an ending to it as well. spent spent way too much money at that place but 
Question 10, your favorite Auburn tradition? This can be sports, non-sports, a weird personal tradition you have for yourself, but your favorite Auburn tradition. Um, just, well, the memory of the old school tailgating. Um, there was, when I was in school, the RV showed up on Thursday and they're parking all over campus. There's a guy right in front of, uh, I think it's Keller Hall on the, um, mm-hmm. right on the campus green right. on there, but he, he was at that corner. And you cannot walk by this dude's RV as a student without him offering you a hamburger or a hot dog. And it's just like, wow. And it just, all these people and baseball tailgating used to be baseball. Um, like for the big series against Alabama in that, I think it was 97. They would rent U-Hauls and park along the outfield fence. And, you know, we'd be up on top of those. And you know, there's a real funny story. Um, and I ended up on the one that, Todd Botcher um, rented, and we caught somebody. I'm not sure if he caught it, but somebody on top of this truck caught Roberto Vaz's home run, and they either handed it to Todd or he caught it. He rears back, throws this thing back at him, almost hits Roberto Vaz <laughs> at second base, and just everybody's like, "Whoa, good arm, man!" <laughs> well, cannon you got there, <laughs> but it was yeah. It's, I just missed the old. You know, and a lot of people do the old school tailgating, just the, yeah, yeah. there, there was some, something, you know, there's not, we do it differently now, obviously. And it's, it's going to probably be revered at some point way off in the distance. People will be wishing we did it the old way back when we're doing it now. Um, but I, you know, I remember uh, growing up and there was just this kind of air in the air. Uh, I know that's kind of oxymoronic to say it, but just, um, just a feeling in the air when you were just walking around campus before a game, the smells, the sounds that we're hearing, the, the feeling that you got there. So I can, I connect with what you're saying there and I kind of get what you're saying. Uh, we got two more questions. Your uh, number 11 favorite Auburn memory. This is uh, that 99 basketball team. And probably one of my favorite gym five calls ever is the beginning of the Ole Miss game. And we're up 18 to four. Doc Robinson comes just over you know center center court and he launches this alley-oop bryant smith reverse slam alley-oops from mid-court and jim fife's call he, he says it's 20 to 4 auburn and this place is going wacko <laughs> and i was there and it was he's right I was just like, those guys were so good that year. Mm-hmm. Um, loved. And they brought so much. It's, that was at the, you know, the bottom of that spiral we keep talking about. That was when that basketball team emerged, and we needed that energy mm-hmm. so much. That was, uh, I mean, what a team. Isn't it funny that while one program or something may not be as good, something else is kind of picking us up a little bit, you know, and – I know it's easy to maybe do that when you've got so many, it feels more than a handful of programs, you know, I think it's like 12 or something like that. Uh, it feels like there's always something to kind of take pride in at Auburn, but you know, Auburn's just a school of excellence. It yep. uh, doesn't mean that you're always at the top of your game, uh, but there's usually always something to be very, very proud of academics, athletics, community wise, lot to take pride in so not shocking that that kind of got you out of that dead that deadly spiral that you've been <laughs> in with football for a little bit um let's round out our discussion with this final question number 12 
Describe Auburn to me in one word other than family. Yeah, it's got to be love. Just um, nice. I mean, that's why we treat each other so well. I mean, we're. I mean, you can be in groups of people with Auburn um, who are just completely different, you know, politically, you know, any difference, but there's going to be a respect that, you know, I don't want to screw up this friendship. And since that's, I mean, that's not just being kind. I mean, that, that care for, you know, the other people in the Auburn family, I mean, it's based in, in love and it's just, that's what it is. I think if I may steal a phrase from the late Pat Dye, doesn't make any difference. Just as long as he's got a blue jersey on. I think it's a great way to wrap up uh, your word, which is, I don't know if we've had love before on here, but I'm surprised it's taken this long to get there or has not been used as often because I think that's a great way to round out what Auburn uh, has that makes it so special and why we love being a part of the Auburn family. Chris, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your Auburn story, getting to know your Auburn roots about what makes you tick. Everything from roller hockey to blockbuster to being in the Navy to living out in Texas. I mean, I just feel like we've covered every single thing, but thank you for spending your time with us. Yeah, appreciate it, man. So I'm glad, um, I'm glad this is rolling for you. I mean, I'm loving hearing, hearing all the stories and I appreciate you letting me uh, tell you mine. Of course, of course. It's just a random dabble, like you say, of a whole bunch of micro stories, but hey, it's uh, just what what made my time special. That's what makes your time special and what makes Auburn special. And that's going to do it for this episode, episode 36 of Auburn Roots. Thank you to Chris and thank you to listeners for tuning in. Until next time, we're able.